On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 12th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we discuss a special Anzac match in Villers Bretonneau with Australia's Hayley Canton and Colleen Decoit of France. We also find out more about the USAFL regional metro circuit with Andrea Casillas. We catch up with the Red Hill Football Club's women's captain, Kate Riley. We preview round three of WAWFL football with the Coastal Titans, Tia Haynes. And we recap some of the AFLW club best and fairest so far. That's all coming up on the Girls Play Footy.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 12 of the GirlsPayFooty.com podcast. And a quick reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings about quarter past six Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne. Or, of course, download this podcast via iTunes or SoundCloud from Thursday mornings. As we go to air, we're just under a week away from Anzac Day, Tuesday, the 25th of April, a significant day, obviously, in the Australian calendar with the dawn services and the Anzac Day uh, marches held not only in capital cities but even small country towns as uh, we repay our respects to those who've served for our country and mark, of course, the Gallipoli landing in 1915. But also on the 25th of April, uh, three years later, in 1918, was the Second Battle of Villers Bretonneau in which the German army took the town and in under a day they were forced out by Australian troops and uh, Australia has held a very special place in the hearts of the citizens of Villers Bretonneau since that day and it's the 99th uh, year uh, since uh, that famous battle. And, of course, to celebrate it over the past few years, there's been an Australia versus France uh, Aussie rules match played in Villers Bretonneau. Uh, it has been the men for a number of years. In the past couple of years, the women's have got a side up as well, and they're doing the same again this year. An Anzac team taking on a French team in a nine-a-side game. And I've got on the line, uh, I've got from France, uh, Colleen Decoit. She'll be joining us soon. But first of all, on the line, I have the Australian captain. She plays for the Wandsworth D. Demons in the AFL London Women's League. It's great to have on the line Hayley Canton. Hayley, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Hi, good things. How are you? Thanks for having us. Great to have you on the line. Now, of course, you're an Aussie, and I need to ask the question, what are you doing over in the UK? <laughs> uh, so I did the old Australian thing of moving over for a few months to teach and travel, and then almost three years later I'm still here, uh, mainly because of the AFL club I found in London, to be honest, because it's like having a family over here, which is great. And, of course, you are part of the Wandsworth Demons. What is it to be part of this team? The team that I should say, mind you, won the inaugural AFL London Women's League Premiership. Yeah, yes, we did. That was, um, I was lucky enough to be a part of that team, and it was amazing. Um, I think uh, what it means to be part of the Wandsworth Demons is just having a family over in London. Uh, we've got a boys, three boys' teams and now two girls' teams for the first time, which is really exciting. So just a really big group of people. Uh, the boys have been so welcoming and accepting and so it's just been a great thing to be a part of. Now, for those back at home that haven't been following or didn't see last year's article, can you tell us what this Anzac Day match is all about at Villas Bretonneau? Yeah, no problem. So it's uh, to celebrate the Battle of the Somme that happened 99 years ago this year, I think, uh, where the town of Villas Bretonneau was taken over and Australian and New Zealand troops fought to reclaim the town, and now as a result of that, the town loves Australians. It's really small. Every year they decorate the town in Australian flags, they put out koalas, they put out kangaroos, and uh, we go over and we play the French team. 
just to kind of celebrate the relationship we have with the country and the town. Now, we should mention uh, with this Australian team that's playing, it's not necessarily that you're picking the best Aussies from anywhere available. There's a certain criteria, isn't there, that they, that they need to apply for to be able to play in this game? Yes, definitely. The team is picked based on people who have a real connection to the armed forces, whether personally or in their family. Last year, we had someone whose uncle, I think it was, was actually buried in the cemetery at the memorial there, which is a really emotional, exciting experience. Uh, this year, we've got another gentleman whose uncle was actually shot in the battle and uh, survived to make it home. So it's all about people's connection to the armed forces and if they do have them to the area itself. And for you personally, what is your connection? Yeah, so both my parents were in the armed forces for over 20 years. So I was actually born while my mum and dad were in the army. But my dad, while he wasn't over in that area, so I was many years before his time, he went over and fought in Vietnam and also did a tour of Malaysia. And then my uh, great-grandparents and my grandparents both served in the armed forces. So I have a very close family connection. So it's an honour to go get to play and represent Australia in this team. And what does it mean for you to actually be bestowed upon the captaincy of the side? Um, It was a very unexpected surprise. It means a lot just because it's such a good group. I know a lot of the girls who are going and I just understand the the meaning and the importance of the game and of the team. And so to be asked to be captain was a really, really big honour. And um, I really hope that I can do my parents and my country proud. Now, to obviously explain the game on the day, because it is a small town of Villas, Britain, though, it is played on a soccer pitch, I'm correct, and it is like a nine-a-side game. Yes, yes, it is um, definitely on a smaller scale while France is still growing their teams and trying to build their numbers. So it is a different experience than what you would normally play but I think it works out really well for us, especially with the French team being so quick and good with their marks and their kicks. It makes it quite an even competition. And, of course, uh, it's not about just the game. Uh, there's a whole big um, uh, program of activities, isn't there, across several days that both teams participate in? Yeah, so when we first get over on the Saturday, we have a formal dinner at the town hall that the town people cook for us, which is an amazing experience. And we do speeches and we get to meet the locals and meet the French team and really foster that Australian-French relationship. Uh, Then we play the game on Sunday after we walk through the town at 10.30. And that's a real amazing experience because, like I said before, the town is just decorated with Australian flags, with Australian icons, and all the locals are out clapping and cheering for you, which is really amazing. And then on the Monday morning, I believe we are running a football clinic for some of the town's children because they all love football as well as a result of the love they feel for Australians so we're going to put on a clinic and teach them the game and hopefully they'll pick it up and love it as well oh and of course the, morning, the dawn service is the most important part on Tuesday and of course we wake up and we go into the dawn service at the memorial and pay our respects there which is an amazing experience Indeed, and uh, certainly a special moment for everyone um, who are some of the players that uh, will be joining you on the Australian team this year? Uh, yes, so uh, and we have a girl called Grace Huston. I always say her last name wrong. She's got a really strong family connection to the Anzacs. We have a few Australians of Italian descent as well um, who have relatives in the Australian and the Italian kind of uh, armed forces. And we also have a few New Zealanders. We have Emma Lundell, who's from New Zealand, representing our trans-Tasman cousins, which is really exciting. Um, I think players to watch out for... Uh, we've got the, the Yanka Valencizzi from the Wandsworth Demons. We have Izzy Carenti from the Wimbledon Hawks. And then we've got a few girls coming over from Germany and from France who I haven't had a chance to meet yet, but we're really excited to have them play for us as well. 
Excellent. That's great to hear that uh, all these uh, people from all kinds of different backgrounds are taking part in this uh, very special occasion. And uh, I know we've still got to play this year's, but uh, I guess planning is already starting to go ahead for next year, which is going to be even bigger uh, in 2018 when the 100th uh, anniversary of the Second Battle of villas Bretonneau uh, rolls around. Yeah, so we're very excited about that. We're not sure who will get to play. Um, hopefully there'll be even more interest next year going in because I can just imagine it's going to be incredible. The town, like, it'll send shivers up your spine, I think. The dawn service and all the ceremonies and things that will go on will be really exciting. So if anyone is thinking about um, putting their name forward, I would highly recommend doing it for next year. It's an amazing experience. And just before we let you go, uh, back on the local front as well, uh, the AFL London uh, women's uh, pre-season competition uh, about to get away from correct uh, this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Uh, down over in Chiswick, I think it is this weekend, there's been a last-minute change of venue, and that's really exciting. I think there's about six or seven women team playing on the weekend, um, including the Great Britain national side, so it would be really nice to try and bump them off, but they are looking very strong at the moment. Well, Hayley, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and uh, we wish you all the very best and hope you have a wonderful time over there at Villas Bretonneau. Right, thank you very much. Thank you for talking to me. So that's Hayley Canton, the captain of the Australian Spirit team that will be taking on the French team in Villas Bretonneau. And I've got on the line uh, one of the rucks for the French women's team in Colleen Decoit. Colleen, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Uh, obviously, like we ask uh, everyone that isn't an Aussie, we ask, how did you find the game of Australian football? Oh, I studied in Sydney for a year, um, was I think three years ago, and... I wanted to play rugby at first, but I couldn't find a team. And I saw a poster at university saying that the AFL women team was looking for players. And uh, I thought I should give it a go just to have the full Australian experience. Uh, and I tried and I loved the sport. And when I came back to France, uh, I saw that there were some, team, uh, some teams and some uh, women's footy going on in Europe. So I joined the, the teams and uh, yeah, here, here I am now, four years later, still playing. <laughs> Fantastic. Four years of playing football. And, and how would you describe yourself as a player? Well, what can I say? It's, um, I play rug for the Paris Cockrell and the uh, French team. And, um, yeah, I always try to do my best. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. No, 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 no that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. So um, how did the selection of the France women's team that will play in this game um, come about? Yeah, well, we, we have uh, players from different places in France and even one player, a French player, that she plays in London for the Wentworth Demons. Um, yeah, I think, yes, that's right. And um, so, yeah, we have players from Paris, Bordeaux uh, and London. Uh, usually we'll have some players from other cities in France, but because it's uh, the Anzac Cup is on Sunday and uh, people have to work the day after, we couldn't have all the girls coming. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be a, a great, great day for for uh, women footy in France. Uh, for those that haven't visited that part of the world, uh, can you describe the town of Villers Bretonneux? It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a really nice uh, countryside French uh, village. Uh, you basically have um, it's it's an, you have a main road with a few cafes, a really nice town hall, and uh, in the middle of the village. There's uh, that uh, rugby pitch where we're going to play the Enzac Cup. 
Uh, it's really nice when it's sun, when it's sunny. So I hope the weather is going to be good on uh, this weekend. And of course, as you said, it is a weekend worth of activities. It's not just the one game. So what will be some of the activities besides the match that both teams will be partaking in? So on the, I think on the Saturday afternoon, uh, there's going to be some training training sessions common with uh, French and Australian players. Uh, then a dinner on Saturday evening with uh, everybody as well. And on the Sunday, we meet in the morning to walk from the the town hall to the the, the memorial. Um, and um, after is a, a parade uh, in the streets of the village. And then uh, we start playing footy at midday, first with the women uh, game and the men game uh, just after. And I think the event's going to finish with barbecues. And and uh, and drinks. Um, so, what does Anzac Day mean to you personally and to the French team? I think we we are all really proud to play this uh, this game. It's a bit different than other games because it's not only footy. It's uh, obviously a day of remembrance, and uh, we have to be grateful for uh, the soldiers who fought for for us. If if we are free today, it's uh, thanks to us. So. Uh, it's really more than uh, just a, a, a football game, and uh, it's important to show solidarity and to show the connection between our, our two countries. And I think it's uh, it's uh, there are a lot of emotions for, uh, during that day. So um, yeah, it, it means more than just sport, and of course the values of AFL, the sport, uh, goes really well with that day because it's all about solidarity and brotherhood. Indeed, and it should be a very special day. And, of course, we thank you, the French team, and, of course, uh, all the Australians and others that are playing in the game for taking part. Um, just before we let you go, Colleen, um, from after this weekend, uh, what's the remainder of the U for you as a footballer? What what do you have scheduled? Well, in France, the, the biggest part of the season is, uh, is over. Um, so the next big events are for the, for the, the women's uh, teams. Uh, are the International Cup in Melbourne in August. Uh, so we're going to play with the, I'm going to play with the European Crusaders. We have a few other girls from France playing for the Crusaders, girls from Norway, Denmark, uh, Croatia, Italy, Germany. Uh, so it's going to be a, a huge adventure, a huge, huge experience for us. The first time the European Crusaders are going to uh, compete in the, at the International Cup. So it's going to, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And then I think after that in October, you have uh, the Euros, don't you? Yes, exactly. The European Cup uh, is going to be in France, in Bordeaux, which is a city south of France. And after, it's going to be the new season coming up in France. And we're going to try to organise uh, as many games as we can uh, with uh, other teams in Europe. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Colleen, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the line here at girlsplayfooty.com to talk about the Anzac match at Villas Bretonneau, and uh, we hope you have a wonderful weekend up there. Sure, thank you.
Time to head up to the United States, in particular the northeast corner where they're holding the Women's Regional Metro Circuit. Now, it's being held over four Saturdays throughout April and May. Uh, it's essentially uh, an induction class on each day for particularly new players that want to learn how to play the game, an induction clinic if you'd like, and then a series of round-robin matches being played by the teams from the northeast section of the United States, being like, for example, New York, uh, Columbus, uh, throw in, I think, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, uh, New York Magpies, all in the mix playing night-aside football to obviously develop the game. And it's happening across four different cities. And to explain a little bit more of it, I've got on the line the US AFL Women's Director in Andrea Casillas. Dre, thank you very much for joining us. I think last we spoke to you was about six months ago when it was the US AFL Nationals. How does it feel to be finally back ready to pull on the boots for another footy season? Oh, wow. It feels great. It's been a very long winter, so... Uh... It's nice to, to put the boots back on and get back out on the field. Uh, just quickly, for the teams, particularly up in the northern part of the country, the northeast, uh, with a pretty uh, cold winter this year in the U.S., how's that, um, I guess, hindered preseason? Yeah, the preseason, uh, there's a lot of focus time, obviously, indoors. So uh, most of the teams, in addition to some kind of gym time, um, whatever that is for the individual players, try to organize some kind of indoor indoor skills or indoor some very small um touch kind of footy um just to just to get your fix in it's, it's it is a very long winter and um sometimes when you feel that snow everywhere you you forget how close the the regular season is and, of course, that regular season is starting to kick off on this weekend, April 22nd. You've got some regional metro circuit games going on. Can you explain a little bit about that? What is the regional metro circuit? Yeah, so um, just metro for us is um, regular rules in for the women, but more um, just playing on smaller size fields. Um, so what we're doing here along the East Coast is um, playing nine, nine aside um, and really the the impetus of that was that we New York has a pretty sizable team, um, but the other clubs being Philly, Boston, and Baltimore are more in the development stages, but um, are getting very, very skilled, talented um, players coming out. So we wanted to get something that um, we could make sure that we're getting more games in, um, so New York will be dividing up into two teams, but also give um, all these players on the other teams just an opportunity to have um, to play with their team instead of having to combine with others. Um, and we're hoping that that kind of helps uh, not only get teams more excited in representing their own city, but also get all these players uh, more touches on the city early in the season. One important part that I have noted as well, you've got these introduction clinics uh, on. How does that come about and how much interest has that been, particularly from American women, into trying to take on Aussie rules? Yeah, so we, we pilot, piloted this a bit in Philly and it went really well. And just the, the basic idea is to um, give any new player that wants to try it really a crash course into some of the basics so that they feel a little bit more comfortable um, just trying trying it out um and our i mean really our intent is that they'll come out see that it's not um it's not something scary so many of the players here aren't used to tackling um so see that it's nothing it's not that scary and just jump right into the game um we do we'll be focusing on 
just handballs, uh, kicking, but also tackling. And the tackling is also for the new players that have already signed up for the team um, to just learn better skills as far as tackling so that we can prevent injuries as well. I guess uh, looking at unofficial numbers, uh, uh, what have you been hearing from the clubs around the Eastern region? Like you said, there is Philly. We've spoken already to Baltimore. There's obviously Boston as well. Uh, and of course, for your own New York, what numbers have you been hearing about interest of new players wanting to take up the game? Yeah, you know, we've heard a lot of interest, um, which is, is really good, particularly since it's been a long winter. Um, so all the clubs have been pretty active in promoting um in promoting footy throughout the throughout the off season, um, which is really promising. Um, so we're just wanting to make sure that we're spreading the word about what we're doing with these metro uh, games and clinics, so that we can get more players involved that might not have normally tried it out. And also, of course, I, I guess you had that additional marketing tool of the AFLW that uh, played over that period. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going a bit, a bit of through a bit of withdrawal from uh, not having an AFLW games to watch right now. But um, yeah, the the games are really great, and um, it provided a great opportunity and almost like a great tool for all the players here, um, veteran players and new players, to have a have a really good introduction of what high quality um, women's footy looks like and what it can look like. Um, so using that as a marketing tool and showing the examples of women actually doing the skills that we're teaching is, uh, is a really valuable asset. So for this uh, regional Metro second that you've got, I believe it's over four dates. What are some of the cities that are being visited and when? Yeah, so we're going to start out uh, in Baltimore, uh, like you said, this weekend, but then head up to Philly uh, May 6th and then over uh, Memorial Day weekend, Boston will be hosting a game, and then we'll end up in uh, in New York mid-May. And, of course, on these days, you said you've got the introduction clinic. How many games approximately will be on the day? Around what times for those to uh, show up? Because this is all happening on Saturdays. Right, right, right. So it'll be probably shorter games, 30-minute games, um, and we're looking to have uh, at least three games. Um, so more of a round-robin type of type of situation um, and just getting as much much time playing footy as possible. And of course, Trey, if people want to know more about it, they've got friends over there in the US or they're currently based in the US and they obviously want to head along to this uh, regional metro circuit They or they want to sign up for the tryout day and maybe join a club. Uh, where can they get more info? Yeah, you know, um, they can always go to the website at usafl.com. Um, but they can also email me at andrea.casillas at usafl.com. That's the easiest way to go about it and make sure that you're signed up for the USAFL competition for 2017. Dre, thank you very much again for joining us, and we look forward to catching up with you uh, later in the year once nationals roll around in San Diego in October. <laughs> Yep, sounds good. Time to head back to Australia, and in particular, the Mornington Peninsula of Victoria, where an interesting situation has happened. Now, most uh, football clubs that have a women's team, if they haven't started their season, they're only just uh, one or two weeks away from uh, ready to run out there onto the park, and they're all excited. Uh, Down where the Rosebud Football Netball Club is, uh, over the last couple of years, they've fielded a women's team in the VWFL. In fact, I think they were one of the first teams in the Mornington Peninsula to field a women's team. And 
it was getting close to the start of the season and uh, apparently the club was a bit worried that uh, they didn't have sufficient numbers to have a team to carry forth right through into the season. Uh, obviously, questions if players are going to commit, pay registrations, etc. And for whatever reason, they've decided to say, no, we're not going to field a team this year. For a group of women um, that wanted to play together, they felt shell-shocked that they had no club. But at the last minute, a small little rural club in Red Hill decided to step forward and give them a hand out. So to explain what happened from her point of view, I've got on the line, I guess we could call her now the new women's captain of the Red Hill Football Club in Kate Riley. Kate, thank you very much for joining us. This sounds a little bit confusing. I guess Tuesday with you were a rosebud. Now you're Red Hill. What all happened? Well, we were originally with Rosebud Football Club. And then Tuesday, out of nowhere, we were all of a sudden, we didn't have a team. We didn't have a club. And then Wednesday morning, come a few short phone calls and a rush to decide something, Red Hill Football Club picked us up. This sounds kind of crazy. This is April and you didn't have a football club and then it's all changed around. So let's let's jump back a bit. Um, when you were with Rosebud, that all formed, didn't it, something like 2013, 2014? Yeah, yeah. So um, I wasn't with the club in 20, uh, 2015, but I was with the club in 2016. And so they created out of, um, obviously nothing, a women's football team, which was super exciting for the Peninsula. And um, and that was going great. Everything was great. And then I believe that um, a new um, president and committee all came into charge this year and all of a sudden women's footy wasn't for them. And this seems strange because we, we kind of understand if a club doesn't go down that road in October or November during the off-season, plenty of time to change. But this decision got hit with you on Tuesday night. How and when was the news broken to you? Well, it was only broken to us last week on Tuesday. Look, to be honest, um, we struggled um, through the pre-season of this year. We hit a lot of obstacles of the club constantly um, putting things in our way to keep going with our women's team, like um, uh, fees and recruitment and um, numbers to the team. Um, They just thought that we weren't, uh, I guess, dedicated or committed. Um, but we kept going through these obstacles and succeeding them. Um, and we played our first practice match, not last week, but the weekend before, with 18 players, which is a team. And, um, and then come Tuesday, they said, you don't have enough players, um, you don't have a team. And that's the end of it. That's crazy because uh, we've heard in the past, particularly I'd say with junior football, for example, where this happens more commonly, um, if a side doesn't have in a particular age group, for example, uh, enough players, they at least as a club put the uh, feelers out to another team saying, can we amalgamate this team? Can we send our players elsewhere so you can keep playing? So for you, it was just stone cold drop, that's it. Thanks for coming. See you later. Yeah, that was it. It was devastating to all the girls, especially the girls that had been there for two or three years. They were just devastated. And, um, but, you know, we did have a lot of strong players that were like, all right, like we can do this. We'll just, we'll go to another club. We'll go to Mornington. And a few girls, um, went to Mornington on the Wednesday night, so the day after, um, to go to their training. And, um, me and my sister, um, Tash, we were like, no. We can't, like, we created this club, 
It's amazing. We need to take our club and put it somewhere else. We don't want to join another club. <laughs> so what happened with um, as you headed into Wednesday morning? Uh, were the league notified at that stage and were you allowed to continue on or was there a ticking time clock that if the situation wasn't sorted, that was it? You were done as a collective team? We had 24 hours. It was an intense 24 hours because, as you would probably know, all the fixtures and the registrations, they'd all been sent in already, so you couldn't really just form another team. Um, so basically, by chance, we um, had been told that Red Hill, you know, was a fabulous club, uh, um, a powerhouse club, and they don't have a women's team, so we were like, let's just call them and we'll just give it a try. And we called, and Roger, the president, um, without even a short of breath, he was like, yes, we want you. That's fantastic to hear that they've come to the rescue because, um, to be fair to say, I'm trying to think of um, uh, of the football in the Mornington Peninsula, Rosebud, I guess, at a men's type of level, Rosebud's one of those power clubs where I think Red Hill's more like a smaller rural club. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's, um, that's I guess, where we struggled a little bit with understanding why they wouldn't want to keep on the bandwagon or jump on the bandwagon of women's footy when over the next, like, over last year and this year, like, it's just become massive. You know, like you said, Red Hill is a smaller club, um, but they were just 10 million times more welcoming than Rosebud ever was. So the decision was made Wednesday that you'd be at Red Hill. Have you had the chance yet to meet face-to-face with Red Hill or even train at Red Hill? I'm at Red Hill right now. <laughs> um, we just um, finished um, the men's um, side play crib point today. So we watched them today and then we had um, uh, food and drinks afterwards and celebrated. and Yeah, and we had our... Um, we did our first training session on Thursday and we warmed up with the men, which was fabulous for them to include us and be so encouraging. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really looking good. So let's have a look at the challenges going forward. Um, how many women uh, that were part of your team at Rosebud have all 18 vowed to come across and join Red Hill? Yeah, look, we did lose a few, um, but it's understandable because... Going forth to Red Hill, we're going to be even less known than we were at Rosebud. So there's a few players that want to play a higher level of footy, and I totally support that. Like, they're good players, and they should definitely do that. Um, But we've got a solid team. I think we've got about 15 that have come across, which is amazing. And then... On our Thursday night training, our first training, we had about six new girls from Hastings and Red Hill that had heard that Red Hill was going to have a women's team and came along straight away. So that's fantastic. That's at least boosted you to 21. Yeah, yeah. I think on paper, we've definitely got a solid 25. That is fantastic news to hear, considering, as you said, you know, 48 hours beforehand, you looked like you weren't going to be playing a game of football. But the challenges come that if the season's starting around May 6, May 7, you've got two and a half, three weeks now to get everything organised at Red Hill because you're not the same colours, you're a completely different jumper. What needs to, what needs to happen now to get the wheels in motion to jumpers, socks, shorts, etc. to now be Red Hill? Yeah, well, basically, to start with, the AFL have been amazingly supportive. Um, For instance, they let us make this team and this club um, past the deadlines because 
obviously they felt sorry for us and they love women's footy. <laughs> um, and so the president is going forth so fast with organising our jumpers and sponsors. Um, and, I mean, it's really just we've just got to get our registration paid. <laughs> the hard one. <laughs> but that's about it. Well, that, that brings up an interesting point as well because you, you were paying registrations and fees, etc., at um, at uh, Rosebud, and I, and I imagine you were putting money forward to getting training uniforms, uniforms to play, etc. Do you get any of that money back, or is that all gone? <laughs> um, well, unfortunately, with the uniforms and that that we had bought, we did not receive any of that money back, but we did receive our registration money back, which is kind enough. That's all we needed. Um, uh, but we had a slight um, hiccup at Rosebud where they said that we didn't need to pay our registration until the first match. Um, and then, so we'd all paid a $50 deposit just to say, yes, we're playing. And then we didn't have to pay the other $100 until the first match. So obviously, girls, you know, women's footy, there's a lot of mums, you know, there's mm. casual workers. It's all about the game. You know, the money comes afterwards and they'll save for that. And so... And then on Tuesday, they said, oh, sorry, the Thursday before the Tuesday, um, they said, you need to pay the next $100 tomorrow. That's the deadline. Oh, jeez. And we were like, yeah. And so obviously that hit a bump in the road and not everybody could pay that, unfortunately. Um, so I guess that was an, another one of the reasons that they um, shut us down, unfortunately. Um, but... Uh, so who paid that? Um, we've got that money back and we've put that into Red Hill to get the registration organised. Um, and then we've just got to get some sponsors involved because Red Hill is letting us, um, as well as the player sponsor um, money that you can get for $100, they're also telling us that we can cover all our registration with player sponsors, which at Rosebud they wouldn't let us... Um, have any leeway with sponsors or registrations or anything. So that'll be a big help for the girls once we get that organised. And with the team that we have, the um, the management team and the coaching team will be able to get sponsors so easy. And I've seen as well that I think some of your coaches and uh, volunteers and supporters, etc., that were at Rosebud have come across with you to Red Hill. Yeah, and it just shows that if you're a positive team and you're lovely people, those sort of people will follow you, and that's exactly what happened. Our, um, yeah, our, all our volunteers and our coach, they all followed us to Red Hill because we're just a tight-knit group and we just love each other and want to play footy. Well, it's fantastic to hear. And before I let you go, just in case there's anyone listening that's got friends down on the peninsula and they've been a bit late to the starting gun about wanting to play women's footy this year and are thinking about trying to find a club or they're looking to sponsor the club as well, um, how can they uh, contact you at the Red Hill Football Club and what nights you're training? We are training on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 5.30 till 7. And a contact number can be my number. I'm running a few of the um, management um, queries with the manager. Um, so you can contact me on 0401261119. Congratulations on being able to find that uh, other club and we wish you all the very best in the competition throughout 2017. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
We're about to catch up very shortly with Fremantle Dockers and Coastal Titans footballer Tia Haynes to talk WAWFL. But let's have a quick look at the other state leagues and matches that will be underway this weekend. First of all, to the QWAFL, and it's going to be a cracking game on Saturday, 3.45pm at Leishon Park over one. Yuronga South Brisbane Devils are hosting the Corporoo Kings. That will be a ripper game. So if you're up in Queensland, make sure you get along to that one. Also on Saturday, 4.45pm, the Premier's Calling out a tweet, host the uh, UQ Red Lions and down at Bendigo Bank over Wilston Grange, host the Zilmiri Eagles, 4.45pm on Saturday, Marucci Door having the bye. Across to the AFL Canberra competition, now things are a little strange there. Technically, round one doesn't happen to May and July. It's all a bit weird how their system has figured it out, but essentially all teams are playing what they call round two this week. All teams finally underway. Most games on the Saturday. So in round two, Saturday, 22nd of April, 10am, Greenway Oval, the Tugranon Hawks hosting the ADFA Rams. Also at 10am on Saturday at South Oval, the ANU Griffins host the East Lake Demons. 12.15pm on the Saturday, the Malonglo Juggernauts. I got that right. As the Riverina line. Uh, Lions uh, at Saturday, 1 p.m. at Clark Oval. The Kunamundra Blues host the Gungalan Jets on the Sunday, 23rd of April, 9.45 a.m. All Insure Park. Uh, the Queanbeyan Tigers host the Balconnan Magpies and the Ainsley Tricolors with the bye. In the AFL Sydney Women's uh, Premier Competition, round three is underway. Should be a cracking game between the Newtown Breakaways and the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays. That's 10 a.m. Saturday at Mahoney Park. At uh, Trumper Park at 12 p.m. on Saturday, UTS Jamrocks host the Auburn Penrith Giants. Western Wolves play host to Macquarie University Saturday at 2pm at Pekin Oval and at Gawler Oval 3pm Saturday Southern Power hosting the Sydney University Bombers. So now let's focus on WAWFL. I have got on the line uh, injured Fremantle star Tia Haynes. Tia, I know at the moment the shoulder's no good and you're going to be essentially out for the WAWFL season, but nonetheless, how does it feel to be back now at club level back at your home club, the Coastal Titans. Yeah, it's really exciting. So obviously we get to watch all these new upcomers um, come in and, you know, showcase what they have and the, the ability that they're going to put forward to uh, having um, this new comp and what they want to be able to put forward, to, you know, to be selected and stuff like that. But it's good to see the, all the girls come back and uh, play their role and what they've learnt over this AFLW season into play. So it's good. Now, before we have a look at uh, uh, what was round two and then heading into round three, uh, how's it been numbers-wise at the Coastal Titans? We've been hearing that uh, the other clubs of big numbers uh, turning up to show up at training. For example, I heard something like 90 at uh, Swan Districts. Yeah, the, the numbers have been amazing. I'm obviously seeing so many girls flocking down to see um, what AFLW um, is about and how, how many girls have actually come down with interest. It's actually great. See, we've had about 80 girls and some of that register as well. So it's huge numbers and it's really exciting. And for the uh, players that are coming back from the Frio Dockers into the Coastal Titans team, uh, how's it been, I guess, trying to gel together with all the new teammates who you probably wouldn't have been training with because obviously you've been spending all that time at Frio? Yeah, so when I went down, and a few of us went down to the um, the um, pre-season, we had no idea who half the girls were. And, but, you know, you go down there and you support them as much as you can and you, you put your input in of what you learn of the ASRW. But it's really exciting to, you know, watch the girls blossom and um, also watch the, um, the new upcomers, you know, showcase what they've got. And it's just really exciting for ASRW and, you know, women in sport in general. 
Let's have a look back at round two of WAWFL action. Of course, it wasn't the Easter weekend. It was the weekend before everyone having the Easter break. And a few winners, uh, 93 to 26 over West Perth. Yeah, it was really exciting to watch some couple of the AFRW girls got back and played. and um, But there was lots of us on the sidelines watching as well. So we got to really watch what, you know, what what's come about of all this footy. And, you know, West Perth came out and, um, you know, played really well. And, and then the girls the new, and a lot of the newcomers come up and played really well as well. So it was really good to watch, you know, both teams really crack out in, in round one for us. And uh, having a look, West Perth put up a bit of a fight, uh, which is not bad for them considering they've made the step up from reserve to play you now at league level. And, of course, you've been at the top of the league uh, for, for goodness knows how many years. Yeah, no, they really did. They had a, a fair few girls that, you know, I obviously had no idea about. So, obviously, a lot of those girls will get looked at as well, you know, in the upcoming season for um, for the AFL. And, yeah, it's really, really good to see how, how far they've come and the numbers that they've also got, you know, putting forward. Uh, looking at some of the goal kickers, uh, Tim is leading the goal kickers for you with four. Yeah, and so Zoe obviously is a high jumper. So for us to have you know someone like that come in and in replace you know the, while we don't have our forwards lines is really good. So it means we've got um, a lot of people that we can move around, and you know we've got a lot of flexibility in the team when when everyone comes back. And uh, also support from Jasmine for grab uh, also putting through three. Yeah, so they obviously shared the load down there. There was a few other goal kickers, I think, that we had. So it's really good to see, you know, the young girls who um, are new to the sport um, impact on the scoreboard. And, of course, uh, Ford and Stubbs are two each. Webb got a goal. And so did uh, part-time commentator Ash Renshaw got on the scoreboard as well, which is great to see. Now, um, who are some of the other standouts that you found, uh, particularly some of the new players that are coming through for the Titans that impressed you in these uh, early couple of rounds? Yeah, so obviously we had young, the young girl, Mackenzie Derrick. She's um, come up as a 17-year-old who's only just allowed to play, you know, league footy now. Um, obviously, Jodie White, she's a long-time and She's absolutely killed it out. They took a one-handed grab, which was pretty good to see. Um, but, yeah, there was a fair few of the girls that showed, you know, a lot of promise and, and even the load around, so it was really good. And obviously, you've already got Brooke White that's already been playing back. She's been named as one of the vice-captains, along with Dana Hooker, and uh, just heard the news that, of course, that uh, Hayley Miller has got the captaincy for this year. Yeah, Hayley Miller has been honoured um, for her all her hard work and efforts that she's put in over the last few years of Titans. So for her, that's a massive achievement. And, you know, we're all really excited to watch her develop and grow in that role. And, you know, she's got a lot of talent. And for her to put that on show is going to be awesome to see. Now, of course, a, a couple of the senior players out for the season. Yourself with the uh, shoulder. Also as well, Kiara Bowers, who unfortunately did that ACL in the semi-final uh, last year. So for, the, for those uh, key senior players like yourself, uh, what will be your role around the club since you won't be pulling on the boots uh, for the state league season? Yeah, so for myself, I'm obviously going to be trying to get myself back for the end of the year, and especially for for the seasons next year um, next year for the AFLW. Um, I'll be helping around the club as much as I can, you know, helping the newcomers come in, putting in a little bit of input of what I've learned over the two years that I've played. Um, I'll obviously, yeah, you know, help out wherever is needed, I guess, to get to get to know the girls as well in case I do get a, you know, get to pull on the boots later on in the year. Um, for Kiara Bowers, she's obviously helping out with assistant coaching. She's doing a bit of the running at the moment as well. So she's really putting in a lot of hard yards behind the behind closed doors. And, of course, uh, we wish you all both a very speedy recovery and out there for AFLW 2018. Just stepping back to round two of the WAWFL, I'm keen for your thoughts on some of the games. One of the close ones, and a surprise, particularly for the team that uh, that lost every match last year, they're 2-0 early. Uh, Claremont beat East Fremantle by a goal. 
Yeah, I did. Um, I received a phone call actually from one of my friends letting me know that um uh, that that's what the results was. And, you know, it's really it's not surprising that they've um come such a long way from where you know, where they've started and, you know, a lot of the girls left and now they've got people going back to help them support the club and let that grow. So, you know, to hear a team that's won no games last year, 2-0 at the moment is, you know, it's massive for the competition. And they've been talking for a long time about a, a good youth girls system that's been happening at the Peel Thunderbirds and that now seems to be starting to pay dividends. Uh, they beat the Perth Angels uh, in that round two game, 118-6. to six. Yeah, it's a massive result. Um, I think for, you know, Peel having such a massive um, upcoming of youth girls that continuously, you know, put the time and effort into playing down there is, is, is paying off for them. And then they're going to have many years to come where those girls continue to play and um, shine throughout the competition. Now, one advantage, of course, of the WAWFL this year is some of the games are being streamed. You were streamed uh, in round two. Uh, in round one, Swan Districts versus East Fremantle was streamed. So, therefore, you've probably had a chance to have a little bit of a look at them. They racked up another win, uh, 82-17. to 17. You've got your old rivals on their deck at Still Blue Oval uh, this Sunday. Yeah, we do. So that'll be another massive game when I think a few of the AFLW players will come back and, you know, suit up for the club that they started at. So that'll be huge for both clubs. Um, we both won, have won a game and, you know, they've played their second game and they won that as well. So, you know, it'll be huge and it always is and it's always a massive fight to, you know, right to the end of the final siren to see who takes out the, the four points. Indeed, that is clearly going to be the match of the round. Keen for your tips on some of the other games. Uh, the Thunderbirds are taking on East Fremantle, who had a bit of a tough start to the year. They've had a bye, and they got uh, thrashed in the first round. I think I'll go with Peel, with the young group. Uh, East Fremantle taking on South Fremantle, that old rivalry happening at East Frio Oval this Sunday. Yeah, so I think the last couple of games that they've had has gone either way. So one and one for one of those teams to take out the points will be massive. And uh, West Perth taking on the Perth Angels. That should be an interesting one at uh, HBF Arena. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game. I think West Perth will take that one out. They obviously fought really hard against us, and I'm not sure how um, Perth Angels are going at the moment. So, But for what I've seen from West Perth was massive, so I think they'll take that out. Well, Tia, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Girls Play Footy. We wish you all the very best in your recovery, and uh, good luck to your Coastal Titans in that big game with the old rival Swan Districts this Sunday, 2 p.m. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap things up here on Girls Play Footy, we thought we'd take a look back at the AFLW Club Best and Ferris that have been awarded so far and some of the speeches made by those who were honoured to be the inaugural Club Best and Ferris or Club Champions, depending on how they branded at their respective clubs. Uh, first of all, here is the AFL Competition's Best and Ferris and, of course, easily Club Best and Ferris at the Adelaide Crows. Erin Phillips giving her speech in Darwin. First of all, I'd like to thank... Um uh, the Adelaide Football Club, Phil Harper, Andrew Fagan, um, you know, Sully, uh, the South Australian Northern, Terri- Northern Territory community, um, our sponsors, obviously Harris Garth Work Skill, you know, without out, out them this couldn't happen. Um, to all of the staff um, in the Adelaide Football Club, like Moods, uh, love all your pre-game rev-up talks to me, really got me going. Gwynny, you know I love your legend. Uh, Hodgie, you know, the midfield coach is just brains of it all and Beck, um, Kato, I could just go on and on. Um, my teammates, obviously, um, who I've just grown to absolutely love and adore and, um, yeah, it's just been uh, an amazing ride and, uh, you know, hopefully we can do it all again next season. Um, to, to my family, obviously, um, mum and dad, my wife Tracy, my kids who 
won't understand this speech, but thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, just look, it's it's been uh, it's been probably the best best year of my sporting career, and I've just like I said, absolutely loved it. And yeah, if I've missed anyone out, I'm sorry. Thank you, and yeah. I've loved every bit of it. Erin Phillips there, Adelaide's club champion. Let's go across to the Brisbane Lions, runners-up for this year, and here's their best and fairest for the inaugural season, Emily Bates. Sam came over to me before and said, I hope you have a speech ready, but there is no way I would have thought to plan something like this. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I could ever achieve something like this, and I'm so proud to be standing here right now, especially considering the amount of talent in our team and how many hard workers we have. So um, there's lots of people to thank and I hope I don't forget anyone, but um, obviously I want to start with the club. Everyone said it before me, but thank you for investing in us and seeing uh, potential in us and um, putting your name down to, to have us at your club. And we've just felt so much support and we're so grateful to be here and to be wearing the Brisbane Lions jersey each week is an honour. So um, thank you for having us and I hope we can keep the, doing the jersey proud for as long as we can. Um, to my family, I want to say thank you to my sisters, but especially my mum. Um, probably most of the people in the room here know my mum. She's pretty renowned around, yeah, Mama Bates. Um, she's my number one supporter. Um, even if I've probably had not a great game, she'll tell me I was best on ground no matter what. Um, if I need a bit of a pump up, I'll just go over to mum's house and she'll say, like, oh, that Marky talk and that. Yeah, so, um, but really, I wouldn't be obviously where I am today without her, but um, her support along my football journey has been amazing. I can't even think what game she's missed other than a few, so um, thank you to everything you do. You're probably crying right now. <laughs> um, thank you to our sponsors as well. Obviously, yeah, we couldn't do this without you, and it's so special that you can invest in women's sport and see the potential in us. So thank you, um, and hopefully we've done you all proud. Um, thank you to my partner, Kate. Obviously, you've been my rock throughout the season. Sorry for always talking about football when you don't want to talk about football anymore. Um, yeah, I can't seem to shut off, and I apologise. Um, thank you to our coaches, to Craig, Stakes, uh, Rog, and Lakey, my man. Um, thank you for all that you do. I've never learnt so much in, uh, that I have in the past five months, and sometimes as a footballer you think, well, at local level, I think, oh, I wonder what else is there to really learn, but until I met you guys, um, it's just, yeah, you learn a new thing every week, and just thank you for all that you do for us, and I'm so grateful that I've met all of you. Um, lastly, to the team, as I said before, uh, this has been the best five months of my life, and it's all because of you girls. Um, I now have 26 best friends that I'll have for life, and we've done something together that we'll never forget, and we've made history, so hopefully one next year we can go one better. At the famous old Collingwood Football Club, their best and fairest was Nicola Stevens. Here's her speech. Firstly, I'd just like to thank um, Alicia, Eva and Jess Cameron for standing up with me. You guys are incredible athletes and like Eva said, you know, I've, I've known Eva for a very long time now and I thank you for continuing to inspire me and motivate me because you are truly amazing. And if anyone heard the speech in our last game, it was phenomenal. You can ask any of the girls in the team and I've never been more pumped up to play a game in my entire life and it, it actually felt like I was playing in a grand final and 
that's part of why I love playing alongside you and everyone else in this entire team and being part of the Collingwood Football Club. So thank you. To Eddie and the rest of the um, Collingwood crew, thank you so much for having a vision and creating this opportunity for all of us. And it's just, it's been absolutely incredible. And, you know, at the start of the year, we didn't know what to expect. And there was a lot of, you know, the unknown, but it's just been a phenomenal experience. And it's been everything that we've wanted it to be and more. So thank you for this amazing opportunity. Just a quick thank you to a few others that I hopefully don't forget to mention anyone really important. So um, to Wayne and the coaching staff, thank you so much for, for believing in me and trusting in my ability and picking me number one first round. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but all I wanted to do was just meet my teammates and get started and, and that we did pretty quickly. And it's just been a great experience. And you know, to the, the extended coaching, coaching group and in the line coaches and Harmit and Haley and um, Lyndon Dunn towards the end of the season, your um, knowledge and everything that you've put into to this to make it what it's what it's been for all of us has just been amazing. And um, Harmit, I still wish you had a little baby girl, so you call it Nicola, but that's all right. <laughs> Congratulations on becoming a father. Um, just a quick thank you to the rest of the staff. Jen Plum, you're amazing. This club couldn't be what it is without you. Um, and if we could um, clone you and get 600 of you, it would be a phenomenal club. <laughs> Even more of a phenomenal club. Um, who else do I need to thank? Um, thank you, Kitch, for getting me as strong as what I need to be to play. And thank you to Michelle for having my own little personal trainer slash osteo slash strength and conditioning. You've been amazing. So thank you. And lastly, I just wanted to say thank you to my dad. If anyone saw his face when they read out my name, it just made me cry even more. So thank you for being with me every step of the way, Dad. I love you so much. Two other clubs awarded best and fairest. Unfortunately, the audio isn't available from their respective functions, but we can tell you that Daisy Pierce was club best and fairest at the Melbourne Football Club. And at the GWS Giants, Jessica Delpos was best and fairest. And just out of those two, they're also Darabin footballers, and they'll be playing their first game uh, back for the Darabin Falcons on uh, Saturday, May 6th, at Bill Laurie Oval in Northcote when they uh, have the grand final replay against Melbourne University. Head along to that one if you can. And a reminder that Carlton are having their AFLW club best and fairest on April 27th. Uh, it hasn't been announced yet by the Western Bulldogs or the Fremantle Dockers when they'll be having their best and fairest. It is quite possible that they'll be doing it at the same time as the men's uh, later in the year. That just about wraps things up here on the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Before I go, a quick reminder, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GirlsPlayFooty. On Twitter, look for GirlsPlayFooty. And of course, our website, GirlsPlayFooty.com which has all the latest women's footy news from AFLW, the state leagues, and around the world. And, of course, we're always looking for more people to volunteer or submit story ideas about people we should be chatting to. Contact us via the website or our Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Peter Holden, and it's bye for now.